Hi, and welcome to Voices of Esalen. I'm Sam Stern. Today we're taking a closer look at Digital Rain, a conference at Esalen that recently convened industry leaders in the fields of virtual reality, augmented reality, artificial intelligence, blockchain, robotics, and emerging technology with the hopes of grounding these practices at the birthplace of the human potential movement. I spoke with James Hanusa, cultural strategist, cross-sector collaborator, and advisor to Burning Man, and Alison Raby, entrepreneur and founder of Mariposa Search, Life Before Death, and Wisdompreneurs, as well as board member of the Virtual World Society and Spiritual VR. These two are thought leaders who wish to tie emergent technologies to social impact. Here's my conversation with the founders of Digital Rain. What what is the purpose of the Digital Rain uh, conference that has just been conducted at Esalen? Thank you, Sam. It's really an honor and a pleasure to be here. So the purpose of the Digital Rain Summit was to bring together leaders, uh, thought leaders, and industry leaders related that are in uh, emergent technology, as well as social impact, people that are focused on utilizing technology toward the betterment of humanity, and mindfulness, consciousness, wisdom practices. So that's sort of the, the trifecta in terms of the, the invitation uh, that we put out for people to come and join us at the summit. So how do we use this tech for good? Hmm. Uh, one question that I, I thought could help us ground this discussion would be to kind of delineate the differences between VR, AR, AI, and any other emergent technologies that you guys have focused on. The distinctions are going to dissolve fairly quickly between those um, categories. Uh, there's a new word in the field, XR, that covers um, virtual reality, augmented reality, mixed reality. Uh, generally, virtual reality, you are putting a headset on your head um, your phone is usually driving the content that you're seeing, and you can either be in a 360 environment, so you might be dropped into, in this case, Esalen through your phone. You look any way around you and back of you, up, down, sideways, you can see the trees, the ocean, the people. Um, so it's an immersive environment. With augmented reality, um, you're seeing basically through your phone into an augmented world. So there might be... Um, you know, digital hummingbirds flying with the physical hummingbirds on the property, or, you know, a whale jumping on land versus in the sea. I won't go into mixed reality right now, but I think the, the point and the distinction is that um, with Apple's new release of ArtKit that's coming out um, next month, um, it's capable of doing both. Um, people tell us that, like, software, basically, that word will mean AI in, you know, two or three years and websites will go away because the immersive experience is going to be so attractive to people that that 2D experience is like, you know, going to look like, um, you know, stone tablet, you know, writing on stone tablets. So, you know, we, we, we started with VR last year and this three-pillared approach that Allison talked to um, with, with VR and um, social impact and mindfulness. Um, this year, we, we opened it up to emerging technologies and, and we looked at the intersection of these emerging technologies. So some people talk of these as emerging media and exponential technologies. Um, artificial intelligence, 3D printing um, would fall into that exponential curve. And when they intersect with emerging media like VR or AR, 
um, you get a different kind of experience. So in a newer VR experience that's rooted in uh, gaming engines and 3D modeling, um, you have an interactive experience. So I'm not just looking around, I can open the door and walk through the lodge and possibly speak to Buckminster Fuller that's driven by artificial intelligence and might be, uh, his communication with you might be driven by the question that you ask of him. It's really mind blowing stuff. There was a quote from your presentation on Wednesday night that I, uh, that I attended uh, to the tune of VR and AR can unlock intelligence and link minds. I'm just curious to hear about some of the examples that you guys might have or you might have generated during this conference, how emerging technology can unleash our intellectual potential. We, I, I witnessed it. I participated in it um, just in this group. So um, just having that conversation we talked about things that have never really happened before that that emerging technology is 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 allowing and so from a intellectual discourse it was we were talking about tools and technologies that could enable new unique things to the world a conversation with with Esselin and our, our partners at the Institute of Noetic Sciences talked about at IONS they have an innovation lab that has both a VR lab component and they're working on a loving AI so they're teaching an AI how to love so that that AI can teach other AIs, because AIs are are are, are programmed. They're not, they they learn over time, and they can learn from each other. So there's you know people like Bill Gates and Elon Musk and Stephen Hawking who are really concerned uh, about a, a, an AI future gone bad and humanity become either unnecessary or actually have a you know kind of that Terminator scenario of of the robot wars. So that project with loving AI is is about creating. The discipline. What we were trying to do, uh, we weren't able to pull off the experiment, but one of the thoughts was to have the loving AI be a participant in our workshop for the week so that it could learn through the conversations that were had in the room and then give some type of feedback, a presentation at the end about um, what it learned that week. We weren't able to pull that off, but one of the exciting conversations that we had with the Esalen staff was it could there be a possible partner AI developed from the archives of Esalen to bring that intellectual component forward in the world. Wow. There was a period of time when I carried a VR headset around in my purse for about three months. And I would ask people wherever I went, you know, whether it was the shoe store or the restaurant or the doctor's office or you name it, can I ask you a question? Do you know anything about virtual reality? And it was really interesting to hear what people would say and I would just listen and you know, then I would share some of the ways in which it can be used for good. Mm. I was like, you know, do you know that children who have been burned, you know, and are in burn units, have to have their skin scraped off? That's the healing process regularly, and you can't give them morphine. So there's a there's a pain scale of one to ten. Their pain level is an eleven. And you can put them in VR, it goes down to a three. So, you know, refugees, VR and AR can help with quicken language learning. It can help people who have been, you know, displaced have a sense of where am I going next? As if they're there, so that the shock of having lost their home you know, isn't also another shock of where they're going. And you can replicate their home even if it's been completely destroyed. 
so that they can have that return remember you know it, it's still lost but it's 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 also we can offer that back there are so many ways in which this technology can be used for good to help people whether that's healthcare isolation tr you know training and development i mean you name it and when you start to combine them as as you said james it's the possibilities are endless mm. and so we really wanted to and you know anything can be used for good or evil right so we really wanted to to plant a firm flag in the sand and also light some torches that hopefully will become a bonfire not that we want to set anything on fire but something that will shine so brightly because this is going to be bigger than the industrial revolution and it's been around for 50 years it's here it's just not um it hasn't been adopted yet what is it that makes uh like the this year and the, the past few years the time that suddenly vr and ar and ai are becoming tools that we use is it a technology advance uh it is it is a couple of things uh, yes the technology, what we're able to do as far as processors um, and pixels and, you know, the development of the gaming engines now that, that a lot of these tech, these will be built upon on top of um, that the companies like Apple and Google and HTC see a real market here that, you know, $80 billion, the same size as the computer industry today. $80 billion, I see virtual reality being 80 billion, on its own being $80 billion. I forget, AIs will become all software, will become AI, or AI will become all software. That's, you know, even larger. So um, the economic potential that is being seen here by a lot of the tech companies um, is humongous. Um, the technology and all the technology components, right? So like, if you think about your cell phone today, your smartphone, all of the technologies within that, right? So you've got sensors, cameras, um, position detectors, gyros and other things in them. So that makes, you know, being in a, in a virtual world much more possible now because you've got that aggregation of technology in a small form factor. That quote, the last quote about, um, from Wednesday night was uh, from Dr. Tom Furness, uh, who is the grandfather of VR. Uh, he created the technology when working for the Air Force 51 years ago. He had had this passion project for the Virtual World Society for about 30 years. Um, he saw the potential, and which really inspired us to start Digital Rain, was him and, and a couple of other pioneers in this space. Gabo Aurora, Ani de la Pena, Barry Possman. Um, Jackie Morey. Jackie Morey. Pioneers of purpose. Pioneers of purpose is how we talked about them. And we felt that there really needed to be a movement built around the pioneering work that they did. Otherwise, we'd have a very um, possibly desolate and desperate future. Um, right now, you know, first-person shooter games and porn is what a lot of people think of when they think VR. Mm -hmm. But therapeutic usages of, of this, of technology, um, PTSD, anxiety, all phobias, dementia. Yes, tell me a bit about the PTSD example. I was reading online about it. It seems like soldiers who've returned from, from combat can use VR as a way to combat their PTSD. They put them in um, the situation again to make it lose its its power over them, is my understanding. 
and it's the same I, I think the application for phobias so there's there's you know things with like spiders in a room and um, you get more accustomed and you're able to get closer to them over time in this technology and it's not dangerous uh, I have a long history of um, being a student of Gestalt and Gestalt awareness practice. So I met my first teacher who was a student of Fritz Perls when I was 17 and started studying with him when my dad died and he became like a second father to me until he died. And then I later came back to Esalen. I had come first when I was um, 10 with my mom and met Chris Price who I ended up studying with uh, for about 20, 25 years. And Ultimately, uh, I wanted to be her, <laughs> uh, but ultimately uh, studying and then and always studying and then assisting and then um, co-leading with her. So she was my primary teacher for yeah, a couple of decades. And as you were speaking, I, 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 I can't believe that I haven't thought about this before. And you were talking about the PTSD and I realized that it's, there's something about the invitation related to VR that is very similar in my experience to Gestalt of inviting people back into a situation where you know maybe there's been trauma or there's been some sort of interruption in development and then you know something gets solidified and defenses are so meant to be respected but sometimes you know we can stop ourselves from living as fully as we'd like to. And so there's there's a, a way in which I realize that you know, VR is saying, I'm going to invite you to step into this situation again. Mm. And we're going to give you a certain amount of safety. And we're going to let you titrate, you know, back and forth and see how much, you know, facing, feeling, naming, See, you, know, you can tolerate this time, you know, and you can always take it off mm. and you can come back or not. And for me, there's, there's a similarity related to the open seat work of, you know, this happened then, would you be willing to remember and recall and face and speak, you know, so I could, I could say a lot more, but, um, there's, Given that Esalen has such a history with Gestalt and so many amazing um, practices and teaching and teachers and modalities and you know, that there's there's a there's a thread around yeah. VR and Gestalt. Yeah, that's a really cool connection. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you for presencing that. I think about Esalen and the focus uh here for many years and a lot of it has been about accessing the natural environment or accessing the powers that are native to to the body you know they have week-long courses here just in meditation and it's just silent and it's just it's about tapping into the the inside the body the breath i'm wondering if there's a tension between this sensibility and the world that encapsulates vr and augmented reality which is sort of, it can look like getting away from all of that. How do those two intermingle and do, do they work together or are they at, at heads? They're not, they're not at odds unless we choose that, in, in, in my opinion. 
Um, and one of the one of the invitations that we've been making over and over and over again this week, and also one of the reasons we wanted to have to to bring this here, is because for me, Esalen, whenever I get here, uh, my mind gets a little blown, and I come to my senses in terms of my sensate awareness. And so, and there's something about um, disconnecting to connect mm. with myself, with another, with the land, the elements, with animals, with, we really invited the people that came to be with us into that on purpose. And we didn't know how it was gonna go. But, you know, there's something about um, being in a body is, kind of a miracle and being you know on this land you know <laughs> also a miracle and so there's something about uh, continuing to invite people into their sensate awareness and to their um, experience of the property you know to get away from the tech and to really feel and presence the analog the analog and the augmented the the you know being in a body and and being on this property and um, on this land and being reminded and invited you know to remember <laughs> this reality and celebrate it the possibilities are endless related to what we can create in, in, in VR and AR and with AI and da, 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 da. But if, if we miss this and don't include that, you know, this, then we're really kind of missing it. And the other thing is, is that as, you know, for the content creators that are out there creating, you know, um, these experiences, that was something else. We're like, come to Esalen. Because this place, you know, this, the ocean, the water, the hummingbirds, the jasmine, the, you know, and also the way the, pla the, the place and space are held by the people that are here, we, we really want to invite anyone who's creating content to remember what it's like in this reality so that when it's replicated, there's both a coming home to the non-tech side, you know, and, and an honoring as well. And then also when people go to create these experiences, they can make them as real as possible because some people can't get here. That's a real opportunity to, in, you know, people who don't have access for whatever reason to places like this and others, this tech can help with that. It's not a replacement. That, to me, that would really be a mistake. You know, and to each their own, and I often say, I don't want to yuck in anybody else's yum. But we're not inviting people to put on a headset and never take it off. It's, you know, be here, say hello to yourself, to another, increased contact and, you know, and awareness and connection and community and connection with nature and, you know, <laughs> and then what else is possible through this technology that can help us 
all individually and together. Where is each of your favorite places to go when you put on a headset? Do you have a favorite place? I spent um, exactly um, zero minutes in virtual reality while we've been at Esalen, and most of our our um, participants um, that was true for as well. We wanted to bring in um, demos, and we invited in people to share their technology. But it, I think, most of it was actually our crew sharing with the Esalen staff and the other workshop that was here, like giving people kind of their first experiences, first taste of what's possible in that realm. Um, and spent probably, you know, an hour in meditation, you know, over the five days, maybe longer. Yeah. And I mean, every, every session was, every was, session. was meditative. Um, we started dancing. I got to, to do something I've always, well, I wanted to do it last year. wasn't able to put on, you know, some, uh, Radiohead, Adams for Peace, and got to shake my uh, myself, um, you know, with my community at Esalen. So like, dance was a part of it. Music was a big part of it for us. So, I think we're trying to integrate all of the great teachings from Esalen, and through that, um, just when we left the lodge, I got stopped by one of our participants and said, like, I learned so much from my time here with you guys. Um, he runs the largest blockchain conference in the world. And he said, I want to bring more intentionality and mindfulness to our gatherings in the future, which, you know, tech's not generally known for that. It's important to me how much the Esalen lineage and and place is now affecting people that are coming here to talk about technology. And and my favorite place in VR, um, just just to answer that question, I don't have one yet. And I think that, you know, there was discussions about how we could possibly play with Esalen and there was talking about a, a sacred space in virtual reality um, that may or may not resemble the Esalen that we know physically. Um, but I think I'd hang out there quite a bit if possible. I would too. Yeah. <laughs> I would too. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't have a favorite place either. And we don't spend, we don't spend time in VR. Like my, yeah, my sense and... Yeah, is that we we go into VR when we hear that there's something that someone has created that has uh, a social impact focus uh, that's for good, and that could also be you know mindfulness, consciousness, uh, biofeedback, um, anxiety reduction, you know, stress reduction, meditation. I mean, VR and AR are really, really affecting, you know, that whole, the wisdom world. And, and so when we hear about something that is for the benefit of humanity, that's when I choose and we choose to go into VR. But otherwise, we don't hang out in VR. I'd say you clocked the most hours, though, uh, in this YouTube experience. Uh, that was a, what she shared the most with other people was a... Do you want to talk about the experience, like what it's like, the journey? Please. I actually had my first VR experience here at our summit last year. So we were in the industry and I had not tried VR. I knew what I believed in and what I was, fo- what I was following and what we were following. So the, the, the tool or the vehicle was a little less relevant than what it could do and how it could help. 
So the um, the first experience that I had, I was watching a YouTube video, and the the song is called a song for someone, and I've been really really focused on and committed to diversity and inclusion for my entire life. My parents were civil and social rights activists, and I really believe in radical inclusion and all of us together. And so I was really taken with this video. And there are a few of them that are, uh, there are different versions of the, the music video, but this one, it's Bono who's like front and center and who's singing and looking at me and it, I can almost touch it, you know? It's like, like you, same as you sitting right here, I mean, it's really quite unbelievable how real it is. And I want to say that until you put a headset on, there is no way to understand what this is like. It is, it is so experiential. Like you can't get it from reading about it or hearing about it. You gotta try it. And I'm not saying anybody should, but you can't get it unless you do. Um, and your first time is like your first time. So you want to say, please be, be, if you do decide to try VR, choose wisely. You know, I remember I was, it was my third or fourth or fifth experience. And I ended up on the top of a skyscraper in Tokyo and I couldn't see my feet. And I don't walk around remembering that I'm afraid of heights. But when I get near a cliff, it gets, I get really present to it really fast and really scared. And here I am and I, I, I almost flipped out because it felt so real. My body responded in the same way as if I had been on the top of that skyscraper. I mean, which didn't really, didn't make sense to me because I knew I had this thing on my face, right? But some part of me, like, it's so real. So at any rate, so it starts out with Bono and then, you know, all of a sudden I kind of see something in my periphery and I look this way and there's another one of the band members who's starting to play guitar. And he's just like, you know, you are to me, James, right? And then I look, you know, over here and then there's another member who's starting to sing. And then all of a sudden I'm in Paris and there's a young woman who's sitting on a white bed and there's a cat walking by. I could almost pet the cat. And she's singing the same song. And it's, you know, this is a song for someone. And it's uh, to me, and it, and it just goes all these different people, places, uh, different nationalities, ethnicities, like singing this song. And so you go from a beach in, you know, in Turkey, I think, to, to someone's home in, uh, Louisiana, this family of all these women, you know, singing. I just got chills. All around you. All around you. And then, you know, if you turn around, Michael Beckwith is behind you. I mean, it's like, whoa, right? And if you can, you can look up and see the ceiling, you look looking down. I mean, I would carry this, this around in my purse. And, um, and I would ask people this question. You ever tried virtual reality? And it, it was really interesting to me. I think I asked probably, wait, like 200 people over that three months, and then I thought maybe more. Yeah. Um, do you know anything? You know? And I was really um, 
I was surprised at the time by a lot of the responses. Understandably, people were, a lot of people are afraid and they don't want to put a thing on their face or it's like, it's a gaming thing. I don't, I don't do that, you know? So it was one of the many reasons that, you know, even more, it was one of those, those markers where I, I, I and we committed even more firmly and, and fully to letting people know what this could be used for. Mm-hmm. You know, I would say, well, you know, it can be, I would give them some examples, these people at the shoe store and the grocery store and the, you know, the, uh, you know, fill in the blank, the library. Um, and I would say, you know, if you want to, I've got this in my bag. You can try it if you'd like. Right? Nine times out of ten, even more than that, it was most like ten out of ten, and there was an exception every once in a while, but people would be like, and then, you know, beautifully, we would be stuck in just the, the best way for mm. hours mm. because they would try it and then they would, I mean, then they would go call their friends and then it was one. And what other experience do you have? And can I, can I, can I go to the bottom of the ocean? Can I, you know, can I go, can I see an elephant? Can I go to the you, can I go to the universe? Can I, can I go see, you know, this place that I've never been to? Yes. Wow. Yes. What do you think is a, a good entry point for listeners who might never have uh, used VR before? How can they, um, how, how do you experience VR? There's a couple of different levels of entry point and experience. Google made something called Cardboard, um, and there's other versions of that that are basically um, very inexpensive viewers, you know, and they can be mailed type of thing. Some are so thin, they're almost like 3D glasses at the, at the movie theater. Kind of think about that. Um, except in this case, not the, what, green-red lens. You've got basically just plastic lenses with enough space between your eyes and the phone, because the phone is where you're actually getting your contact from. It's probably a three-inch, you know, holder for your phone with these, with these uh, plastic lenses attached to it. Super cheap. You get a different experience than you do with um, something like Samsung Gear, which is probably what about 100, 200 bucks. That really, for us, it's more of the 360 video is what they call it. So you that's you can get in that those different environments. You can go to Fiji or um, you know Mount Kilimanjaro or whatever and have that exp- experience like you are a climber and you're experiencing you know moving up the mountain and you know in a 360 degree up up down unidirectional experience at the higher end closer to like the thousand dollar range you've got oculus rift and um, htc vive um, and they're able to do more uh, interactive experiences so you can you know unlock walk through the door to you know another world um, and have you know more interactive engagements within those environments Um, one of the probably most popular applications is something called tilt brush that Google um, built. It's a three-dimensional, four-dimensional like painting, like with light application. So you can basically like create somebody like the most radical. Somebody created like a, a quarter mile, a quarter mile space, the equivalent of a quarter mile space. Um, they created a, a, an art piece that you could walk through in kind of three dimensions. Um, that size. I mean, the, the, the biggest thing, but it's cool. It's, it's a really cool creative app. Uh, again, our friend Android Jones has got something called Microdose, um, which kind of has a, a creative and artistic approach, but it's more, it's constantly in motion and more fractal in nature. 
and he did some really interesting things. You can't save um, anything in microdose. It's, it's just in the moment. It's being present to the process of creation. And the reason you can't save anything is he knows that if you can save pe things, people's creativity gets stifled. They're afraid of a failure. That particular application in microdose is, is um, you know, there's no way of, of revisiting the experience. And how about for uh, artists who want to play in this medium? Is there, um, are there programs that you'd recommend or would you have any thoughts or advice around that? Yes. I mean, it opens up all kinds of really radical possibilities for artists. I think visual artists, um, musical artists, experience designers, which is something that we're really excited about. Um, there's been a couple of like purpose and consciousness raising tours uh, and the best kind of like mashup for people to understand that I could probably say and I've been thinking about um, you know doing something like this for a while but we've just been talking to some people recently that kind of have some similar ideas so we're seeing where those intersect but something like a, a, Cirque, a participatory Cirque du Soleil kind of human circus infused by deep technology and just immersive everywhere you look you know um, we've talked to like um Madison Square Garden Ventures. It has a bunch of venues around the world for, for music and concert and stuff like that. So they're putting like the highest, uh, I think 4K screens on every space within the venues now so that um, if there's a performance by either a DJ or a musician or whatever that, uh, you know, that can start to be just a completely surround, not just surround sound, but a surround, you know, visual experience as well. And where we have thought about taking it is how can you make that interactive technology? So if there is a DJ, great. Um, but it's kind of like piano music, you know, like at, a, at, at, the, at the bar or something like that. It's happening over there, but there's so many other conversations and interactions that are going on or art being created during the set that it's not that old kind of, like what we were trying to avoid with, with this summit. It was not that like speaker, audience speaker type of thing. It's more, it's not performer audience type of thing. It's like, yeah, there's a performer. Maybe they're the headliner, but the the participation and the interaction, either through technology or just, you know, old, old fashioned uh, human interaction, that's the show. That's the co-creation process. That's probably the edge I'm most excited about is, is like deep, immersive experiences that are highly interactive with the like most bleeding edge technology to enable those experiences. So social impact was, was part of our program last year, one of our pillars. And we had some great representatives from uh, philanthropic or organizations. One of the, one of the sessions early on um, that was participant driven as Allison said, they were all very participatory, but in this case, um, participant driven. So we had 10 submissions. We spent, spent the hour um, and then we synthesized a bit of what, what commonalities were we seeing throughout or commonalities in the conversation. And one thing that became very obvious there, um, or at least one way of looking at it, is that there's a, a labs network that is evolving um, through our participants. Um, so um, that's really interesting. James Madison University, their ex-lab was here last year um, in Virginia. Um, Sophia University is adding a VR lab now with a former board member of Esalen, uh, Marilyn Schlitz. Uh, she was a board member here for 15 years. Um, she's helping grow a VR lab there. IONS, Institute of Noetic Sciences, has a VR lab. 
Um, Dr. Furness has three labs in New Zealand, Australia, and, and Seattle at the University of Washington called HIT Labs, uh, Human Interface Technology Labs. Um, and Digital Rain is, is building one in downtown LA, virtual world uh, creation um, in October. So that was a really exciting outcome to see like how a lot of those um, <clears throat> discussions uh, had a research edge to them or a you know, more building maker type component to them. We didn't know until it started showing up more and more that place-based initiatives were going to be a part of an emerging technology event. But another one called Roots and Routes in Chicago is about bringing uh, black and brown communities in Chicago who have not been living, traditionally not been living well together for history. Um, how to bring those communities together in understanding each other and what they value um, through 10 different places that can be visited through these different lenses of history or culture or art. art. So through augmented reality, they can go visit a place like a park or somewhere else and understand the, who some of the leaders were or what they stood for, what they fought for. They might be able to hear you know, some music at another place. Um, with the augmented reality technology at you know at school or whatever, but all these places that they share have learning opportunities. Yeah, so we have worked with a company called Powis VR in the past, and they make cardboard headsets, and they've been really committed to social impact for a long time, and they do these projects. So they had one where they were working with kids of cancer, diagnosed with cancer, and had the kids design the headsets, and then they had them on their site, and you know, donation to that, that kind of thing. Um, but they've said, you know, if there is, there's something that you all are doing that's an event or what have you that is toward the betterment of humanity, you know, we will help you with the headsets. We'll gift the headsets. So we brought some here to Esalen, we'll be leaving some behind, and these are the ones that you were mm -hmm. talking about where you just, you put a stamp on them, you can mail them anywhere in the world. You know, maybe more than one stamp, depending on where you're sending it, but, um, and anyone who has a phone. So, I just want to put this out there, um, which is that if anybody wants a headset, contact us. Trinity? Yeah, you can contact Trinity. How? She's our AI. And her email address is i at digitalrain.com. How do you spell i and how do you spell digital rain? I as in igloo, the at symbol, digital, d-i-g-i-t-a-l, rain, r-a-i-g-n.com. So it's digital rain with a g. Dot com. The one maybe parting shot for the future, edges came up a lot. There's this quote by the science fiction writer William Gibson that says, the future's already here, it's just unevenly distributed. I felt the temporal event that we just had for the last week with our participants at our summit at the edge of the world, Esalen pushing its edge at least to embrace us having this experience here again not known traditionally for technology conversations but you know inviting it in and supporting us deeply 
at this place with the consciousness that's that's resident here and has been here for so long and a spiritual home for this community yeah and i i want to say that you know i'm so grateful to aslan to the place itself and to all the people i mean aslan saved and changed my life and helped me learn how to save and change my own life and i would not be able to be here to do what we did if i didn't get what i got from this place and from christine stewart price my primary teacher so much went into <laughs> this vessel of me from the people here and the place itself and it was amazing to me that everything that anyone thanked me for or said you taught me this or i you know i became aware of this because of this thing you invited me into and there was stuff they thanked us both for and you individually, but <laughs> was all, you know, I, I got to say over and over and over again, this place did that for me once. And I'm really happy to be able to pass it on. So I do want to make a call to action around you know, anyone who is listening. Esalen could really use your support. Use all of our support right now. And that can look many different ways. But if you're interested in that, let, let them know. And, and if Esalen has influenced your life in any way given you know put a drop in your cup or maybe a whole ocean in your bowl they could they could use some of that right now too and you're welcome to contact us because we're going to continue to look for ways that feel value and vision aligned to Esalen and that feel like support through our community and our networks. We're dedicated to that. Thank you for that. Yeah. James Hanusa and Allison Raby, thank you so much for taking the time out to, uh, to teach and enlighten us around this subject. It's really been a pleasure. Thank you, Sam. Thank you for listening to Voices of Esalen. Today's episode was produced in conjunction with Cheryl Franzel, Geraldine Hess, Lori Putnam, Shannon Hudson, and Ian Golden. Our music is by Nico Holloman. To hear more episodes, search for Voices of Esalen on iTunes and please subscribe. Or find us on the web at esalen.org. That's E-S-A-L-E-N.org. All of our episodes are archived there. Until next time, be well. Be well.